Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. School of Humans. Charlie Marinelli is having a psychotic break in India, a country halfway around the world from his parents, Nanette and Charlie Sr., who are frantically trying to get to their son. On their layover in Istanbul, Nanette FaceTimes with Rinek, a friend of Charlie's they sent from Delhi to keep tabs on him until they got there. Rinek is standing with Charlie outside of a hospital, begging him, along with his parents, to go in. But Charlie refuses. He believes he's the Messiah, and whatever this hospital is going to do to him will strip him of his enlightenment. But this is not a state of enlightenment that anyone can survive. If Rennick can't get Charlie into this hospital now, then Charlie will be another missing person in India. I went into psychosis and there were definitely things that I did that were not rational at all, but the experience was very real and what I went through was very real. This is Charlie Marinelli. He's back from India and integrating after a psychosis. I got an email from him on March 22nd with a subject line that read, India Syndrome Survivor. Episode 3 of Astray just launched and I'd received a handful of emails and DMs from listeners, but this one, as you can imagine, stopped me in my tracks. When I got on a call with him, he told me his story. I was on the edge of my seat for every minute of that three-hour call. Charlie ended up going into that hospital with Rennick, and his parents eventually met him there. But how he got there is a journey that's changed him forever. Last week, we heard Charlie's family speak in depth about their rescue mission. But this week, we'll hear from Charlie, who knows what the cost of enlightenment is because he's lived it, and he's here to talk about it. I don't know if I was running away from something or towards something. Maybe a little bit of both. I was running towards some promise of higher level of living or some, you know, higher mental state. And I was running away from the emotions of my grandfather dying and all of that. 
After his grandfather's death, he started to rethink it all. And going to India felt like the next step, a new phase. It's the next level place if you're a seeker. For me, to go to India was to be away from my family and to be able to think for my own and to go more inward. On July 9th, 2019, Charlie flew to Delhi. He spent one night there, then headed to Bagsu, which is a 12-hour drive through the Himalayas from Delhi and is about 30 minutes from the Dalai Lama's temple in Dharmshala. I got there and started hanging out with a bunch of people, community. It was, it was relaxing. It was meditating. It was hiking a lot. It was just adventure, and there was so much to do there. There were all these yoga classes, yoga teacher trainings, massage training, this Reiki instructors. There were all of these different things and I never did any of them. I just, I was meditating and I was going and visiting temples in the mountains. And so for about a month there, it was just hanging out, smoking chillum. We've spoken about chillum before, but I didn't realize there's a ritual around smoking it. Chillum is a ceremony. When you light up a chillum, you know, you, you say one of the sayings was "Boom Balinat Sabkesat," and and you say this before you are "Boom Shiva," basically saying you're smoking with Shiva type of deal. Everyone sits down in a circle, whether you're at a table or you're on the ground, and and one person lights it for you. You have to get it going, get it going, and um, it's mixed with tobacco, so it's harsh. It hits very hard, so you it, it feels like, I guess smoking a decent amount of not very good weed. So Charlie didn't listen to his mom's warning not to do drugs in India, but Chillum was his only vice. He wasn't drinking, he was eating clean, meditating daily. It was exactly what he needed. But he got a wake-up call about a month into his visit when he walked into one of the cafes he frequented. An American woman in her 60s was there, and something wasn't right. She's very disoriented. And I came in, and this cafe I went to every day. So they, they knew me. They trusted me. They liked me. They were like, hey, this lady, I don't know if you can help her out. She's American, and she's not acting rationally. She was just got out of two silent meditations and was doing a dry fast, which means that you don't eat, you don't drink, you don't shower. It was intense. She was scared. She didn't know where she was. She didn't have her passport, her clothes. She had a little bag of like one change of clothes. Um, I was like, where's your passport? She's like, I don't know where my money is and I didn't, I couldn't pay them for my room. So they kept my passport. So I can't find a place to stay. And she's just like, she's out of her mind. She could not, I mean, I don't even think I could get her name out of her. And so we talked for a little bit and she was just really freaked out. She didn't know what to do. She, she was basically in, in what I would call a psychosis state. Even though this woman was acting off, he didn't want to leave her stranded, so he let her use his room to shower and hopefully sleep off whatever she was on, if it was a drug, or if it was due to her dry fast to drink some water and acclimate. But it wasn't that easy. My friends got me a little paranoid because I was like, I have this person who's in psychosis in my room in India. So they got me a little paranoid as like, what could happen? And then the other thing was I was worried that, you know, I didn't know if she was going to die or if she was going to, she didn't drink water for like, I think seven days or something. She was not looking well. So the next morning I was like, okay, we need to go to a hospital. Like, come with me. We're going to go down to town and I'm going to take you to a hospital and we're going to figure this out. 
she wouldn't come. She did not want to leave the room. The people that I rented the room from, they were like weirded out because they knew she wasn't in her right mind. And I couldn't get her to leave to go to the hospital. So I ended up calling the U.S. Embassy. They called the local police. The police came. The reason I told you that story is because these police that came that were called from the U.S. Embassy to come and deal with this woman were the same police that came and dealt with me later. And this part, I think, is very important. Keep this in mind for later. But for now, Charlie, with the help of the police, was able to safely remove the woman from his room. And she was taken to the hospital for immediate care. So that was my first brush against psychosis in India, but it didn't really trigger anything for me at that time. Little did Charlie know, this woman's delusion would be his reality in just two months. Because he was about to meet someone who would change his life forever. I think one of my main things was looking for a teacher. I think that was one of my intentions. Charlie came to India seeking more enlightenment or an awakening, which is the word he prefers to use. And he had heard these legendary stories of Babas or holy men who were able to transcend what we believe to be humanly possible. I still can't place whether things are true or false with India because I've heard stories of Babas levitating in the mountains and not eating. And there's a handprint in, um, I think it's in a Himalayan cave or something, of someone putting their hand through a wall. It was an ancient teacher and just showing that these boundaries that we have in our heads don't exist. Charlie didn't know if these legends about Babas were true, but he did want to meet one of these Babas, someone who could guide him on a spiritual path, a teacher. And then finally, how did we meet? And eventually he found him. He called his teacher the Baba in Black because he wore black robes, as opposed to the handful of other Babas Charlie had met in Bagsu, who all wore white. And this kind of has some significance for some reason, I think, of the light and the dark side. The Baba in Black goes by Baba G. And at this point, Charlie was charmed by him. He provided the same spiritually rich conversation that the other Babas did. But there was something more. Obviously, I'd never met this guy before. And immediately, we had, like, this connection. It was like seeing someone that you hadn't seen for a long time. He was an intelligent person. He knew multiple languages. He, he, he had, like, this playfulness to him, right? He had this joyful, kid-like spirit. Charlie felt a familiarity with Baba G, and eventually he knew. I was like, oh, I found my teacher. He just came. He found me. For Charlie, being in the presence of Babaji was an education in itself. He was a sounding board and guided Charlie to trust himself and his own spiritual insights. They were so connected that eventually they didn't even have to use words to express themselves. At a certain point, the Baba and I weren't physically talking to each other. In the most simple sense, it was to me, we were communicating through telepathy. See, this is where it gets weird. We'll get into how weird things got after the break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your 
your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Charlie had set an intention for India to find a teacher to guide him on a spiritual path to an awakening. When he met Babaji, he knew he'd found his teacher. What he didn't know was what was in store for him next. We were communicating through telepathy, but it felt perfectly natural. It was like, whoa, this is interesting. I was hearing thoughts and I was like, wait a minute, these are from him. There were even points in time where I was like, physically voiced, I can't hear you anymore. He's like, get out of your head. Your mind is too cluttered. So there was a confirmation that we were talking. Right now, that would seem a little weird. Then it was perfectly normal. At this time, reality was blurring with something Charlie didn't understand and couldn't control. From this point in time, I was still hanging out with the Baba a lot. And I no longer slept. You know, I'd, I'd hang around the cafes during the day. I'd be walking in the Himalayas barefoot and sometimes with no shirt all night. Things took over when I was when I was in this state of doing rituals that I didn't know what they were. As he wandered at night, he would find these small private temples on people's properties where he would chant and perform rituals he had no prior knowledge of. He'd also paint his face like different Hindu gods. He didn't use any pictures of these gods to instruct him or even a mirror. It's like he already knew what he was doing. At one point in time, I was... I was absolutely convinced that the Dalai Lama was a higher incarnation of my dad. So at a certain point, I was walking down to the Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama Temple every morning and waiting there. In my head, I had already had a conversation with him, you know, and we both understood that he was my dad. Finally, I went up and actually requested his presence from the guards, which I was obviously very much denied. In this state, Charlie believed he was connected to the Dalai Lama because he saw himself as one with everything. So there was no separation between himself and the Dalai Lama, just like there would be no separation between himself and the Messiah or Jesus, whom he would eventually claim to be. So through this period of 
psychosis, India syndrome, whatever we want to call it, I started, you know, very much believing I was enlightened, very much believing I was some sort of reincarnation of Jesus or Buddha or whoever. I was very much believing that I was put there to cleanse people of their demons. In his state, Charlie was seeing physical manifestations of demons in people's faces and bodies. I remember I was sitting in a cafe and this guy walked in. He was wearing a fancy fedora, nice clothes, but his face was completely disformed. Looked like he had been through a, a fire. He was missing fingers, teeth, all while being very well dressed. Charlie saw these man's deformities, which made him look like a demon, as a manifestation of the man's materialism or greed. So Charlie approached this guy and asked him if he could perform a blessing on him. Surprisingly, this guy accepted Charlie's offer. Charlie knew the owner of the cafe and asked her to bring them a bowl of soup. He performed a blessing or spell over the soup and asked the guy to drink the whole cup. After he did, the man went into the bathroom, and from outside the door, Charlie could hear something happening in there. Maybe he was throwing up, or who knows, but there were definitely noises coming from the bathroom, which in his state, Charlie saw as part of the purification process or an exorcism. When the noises died down, Charlie knocked on the bathroom door. I opened the door, and I sat down next to him, and he was kind of freaking out, and I said, now you go on this hike. And I told him to go on this certain hike. It's a, you know, a sacred mountain right at the base of the Himalayas in, in northern India. And he, he left and he went on this hike. And time was irrelevant at this point for me. But a bit later, someone came walking through the door wearing very natural like hemp clothing, and very grounded looking person and no deformities and and walks in and says, thank you for telling me to go on that hike and thank you for everything. And then it clicked that that was the same person that and I did the cleansing on. He just found himself. He just went and did a, a spirit quest. So at this point, Charlie was living in a different reality than others. And looking back on it, he can't decipher what was real or what was a result of his psychosis. Some people, like this man he had helped, saw him as he saw himself an enlightened being. These people identified him as a Baba. There were many more experiences like this, and, and it went from being accepted to being, uh, I got beat up by, I don't know how many Indian people at one point in time started hitting me till I hit the ground. I mean, to them, it looks like a psycho-Westerner trying to, I don't know, cast spells on someone type of thing. From what Charlie says, he was walking into people's shops and cafes trying to cleanse them of their demons with various rituals he was pulling out of nowhere. It was apparently disturbing to a few of the people he approached, especially as his psychosis got worse. During this time, there were brief moments where Charlie was completely lucid. In one of these moments, Charlie remembers waking up from his psychosis, terrified. So I was sitting in my room this one night, and it almost felt like I was coming down from a journey, from a trip. To be clear, Charlie's longest acid trip lasted 12 hours, which is a really long time. But this psychosis Charlie was in lasted at least two weeks, with brief moments of clarity, like this one. 
And I finally called my dad and I told him I was scared of something. I was like, I don't know if it's this Baba. I don't know what it is. I think someone's drugging me. I'm not in the right state of mind. Um, I don't know what to do. I feel like it's all around me. Like I felt vulnerable and I was scared, like really scared. I did not know what to do. My dad, he got scared. He was like, pack up your stuff and leave now. As we heard in the last episode, this is when Charlie's parents went into rescue mode and started their panicked journey to India to save him, which was crucial because after this call, an elusive conversation Charlie had with a friend about suspicions he was being drugged, he fell right back into psychosis. Before we go any further, I want to cover something else that might have been going on between Charlie and Babaji. Now, we've explored a lot of facets of spirituality in this podcast, and what we're about to discuss might be the most out there, but I think it's valuable to share. Remember how Charlie said that Baba G, who he referenced as the Baba in Black, represented the dark side? Well, I was talking to Susie Singh, a New Delhi-based therapist and author, who Ankita and I will be speaking to in the next episode, and she mentioned something we haven't explored yet, which she thinks is important to identify. And that's black magic and the occult, or as Charlie put it, the dark side. The occult relates to magic and the supernatural and falls outside the scope of religion and science. The learned occultist is able to see, hear, and do things that are hidden from the eyes of ordinary people and that seem like magic. So when occult practices are used for the good of other people or for the good of one's own self to gain evolution and enlightenment. It is constructive, it's powerful, it's positive. Black magic, on the other hand, is the misuse of occult information to cause harm to others through the manipulation of energy for some personal gain. Now, this distinction is really important, Caroline, because just as fire can be used to cook a meal, or to burn down the house, occult practices can be used for evolution or for destruction. It depends entirely on the intention. So is black magic really dangerous? And, and do you have examples of this? Black magic is definitely dangerous. In India, people who practice it are often referred to as tantrics. In November 2020, there was a news report about a six-year-old girl in Kanpur who was raped and murdered on Diwali night, which is the festival of lights, incidentally. And her liver was extracted for a tantric ritual, which involved eating the liver to enable a childless couple to bear a child. I've heard of several such instances where you can kill another person's child just to become pregnant yourself. So we can see how destructive and how evil and dark this is. Singh also had thoughts on Charlie's situation, if in fact this Baba was performing some sort of black magic on him. I think what you're referring to in Charlie's case is something called Vashikaran, which is a hypnotic state brought on by the Baba on Charlie, who then becomes like a puppet on his chain. Once the Baba has control over his mind, Charlie has very little personal will left. He is going to be directed entirely by the magician himself. In some ways, it can be compared to voodoo practice. So if this is what was happening to Charlie, how could he have protected himself? 
when we talk of black magic in general, protection can become very difficult because one may have no idea where the harm is coming from. From the little experience and exposure that I have in this field personally, I've come to conclude that one of the most powerful protection arises from beaming blessings and love to the sender. So according to Singh, love is an insulator against black magic, while fear enhances it. I had an energy session with an Irish practitioner when I was going through a tough spot in December. I was hoping he could clear some stuff. I was feeling blocked, like nothing was flowing. Things were either blowing up or they were stagnant. And though this practitioner didn't use the term black magic, he did identify what was going on between me and another person he said was part of the problem. The same way Singh described the dynamic between the Baba and Charlie. And the intentions this practitioner set energetically were also the same as Singh just expressed. He took me through a visual exercise of sending love and blessings to this person with the intention to transform their negative energy. And it worked. This practice of sending blessings is not regulated to tantric or energetic healing. It's like prayer in religion. So even though this idea of magic can be hard to comprehend in our Western culture, if you view it in a different context you're familiar with, it makes sense. But what might make more sense in context to Charlie and his situation is that he was being drugged, which is something his dad believes. He was drugged. Can I prove it? No, I didn't go to Bag Sue. The only reason why I know that that happened to him is because what he had done in the past, the experiences that he had taken other people on and been on himself, he always came back grounded. He journaled, what did I learn? This was not that type of experience. This was psychosis, according to Charlie, and like nothing he'd ever experienced before. And his parents knew it. So September 2019, after Nanette and Charlie Sr. both received those cryptic FaceTime calls from Charlie, they were on a 17-hour flight heading to India to track down their son. In the meantime, they sent Rennick from Delhi to Bagsu to keep tabs on Charlie, and the United States Embassy had sent the Indian police to help. Apparently this part, the police got involved. They found me. I disappeared from them for a few days, like days. <laughs> I don't know where I went. Um, I think this was the tipping point where it could have gone really wrong, and I could have disappeared. Charlie has lost a lot of time and clarity due to the state he was in, but he's been told that he was found naked in the woods by tourists who were hiking, which Charlie's mom, Nanette, confirmed in the last episode. Something happened and they found me. And then the next thing I remember is these police. So I knew these police from before. These were the same Indian police that the U.S. Embassy had sent to help Charlie get the American woman in psychosis out of his room and into a hospital. They'd built a rapport with Charlie through that. So as you can imagine, when Rennick led them to him and he was in the same psychotic state as that woman, it was a shock. They, they came up to where I was at a cafe. My friend brought them to me. I was like, oh, these guys are my friends. I already knew who they were, right? They were very nice. I mean, these police were saints. And they're like, okay, cool, come with us. And we're just like casually walking, you know, like thinking nothing of it. And then we finally get to their car. And then I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? This is when Charlie freaked out. In his state, he didn't know reality from delusion. 
And even though Rennick and these cops were there to help, he was scared. I tried to leave, and they grabbed me and forced me into the police cruiser. One cop got on one side of me, one cop got on the other. There was two in the front seat and one in the back. And then my buddy jumped in the back, too. And at this point, I was bawling. I was crying. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Eventually, Charlie calmed down. But when they pulled up to the hospital, he had a very different idea about why they were there. Now, mind you, at this point, I think I'm like a messiah, like Jesus. So they bring me to the hospital. I think they're bringing me there to heal these people. I'm like looking at these different people, like these very sick people in these beds. And I think I'm healing people. They're looking at me like, okay, what do we do with this person? Like, I was, I was clearly out of my mind. In the last episode, Nanette spoke about what looked like holes in the palms of both of Charlie's hands. According to Charlie, this was from ashing chillum or incense into his hands after a ritual, which usually didn't leave a mark. But one time he accidentally burned a hole into one of his palms. He did the same thing, either purposefully or not, he can't remember, to the other palm. In his psychosis, he believed this was a sign. He was the Messiah. In this state, these public hospitals didn't know what to do with Charlie. Rennick and the Indian police tried at least two hospitals that wouldn't take him, but the third hospital did. This is all Charlie remembers about that hospital. I was refusing all of their treatment that they wanted to give me. I, like, ran away. They grabbed me and drug me back to this gurney or to this bed, threw me on it, held me down, and they injected me with this stuff. Next thing I remember, I woke up in a really nice hospital in Delhi with my parents. Coming up, we'll find out how Charlie came back from the brink of a spiritual edge, which he was now experiencing as a psychotic break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker 
retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Charlie lies in a hospital bed in New Delhi in severe psychosis. His parents, who are with him, believe he's in this state because he was being drugged. So I asked Charlie, point blank, did he think he was drugged by his teacher, Babaji? I don't know for sure. And that's why I'm not going to say, yes, he drugged me. Is he probably the top candidate for drugging me? 100% yes. Baba G was with Charlie before he went into psychosis, and he was with him during it, which we witnessed on Charlie's call with his mom, Nanette, last episode. But he vanished when Charlie was taken to the hospital by the police. However, before things got bad... Charlie truly valued Baba G and his guidance. I do believe that I was, and, and still to this day, that I was achieving some sort of spiritual awakening prior to what I've been described as. I, I fried circuits and I went too far too fast and dropped and, and went into psychosis. So on that side of things, I do believe that he, to a point, facilitated uh, an awakening. And, and then on the other side, if he was drugging me, that's not okay and very deceitful, and, and I wouldn't have subscribed to that. But Charlie didn't know Babaji's intentions, and he still doesn't know. Whether he had good intentions or bad intentions, I don't know. But the one conclusion that we've all drawn is that he did not help ground me. He did not do anything to pull me out of this space. The therapist that I'm working with, he had an experience in India, and he said the Indian sadhus, they're about up and out. That's all. They're about getting to this highest level possible as quickly as possible. They don't really think about the coming back down to earth. Their goal is to take you as far as possible. Well, Charlie went as far as he possibly could. And he realizes now that in this state of psychosis, there were many times when he could have disappeared in India, like some of the other stories we featured. But things lined up in his favor. I think I got very lucky for certain reasons. I got lucky because I knew these police. My buddy found me. My parents cared. Well, I think there's no lack of caring when it comes to parents and children, right? That's not my the special part in my case. I think the special part in my case was a fair amount of luck, me knowing the police, and they saw me help out this lady before. Earlier in this episode, Charlie said how important it was that these specific police who knew him were the ones that found him. It wasn't just important. It was vital. Because when the doctors drew Charlie's blood, they found LSD. And though he did one psychedelic journey in India, it was before his psychosis, so he doesn't know how LSD got into his system if it wasn't present from earlier. And this was not why he was in a psychotic state. Like I've said, a psychedelic journey can last 12 hours, not over two weeks. Either way, he and his parents knew he was in trouble. <laughs> 
that's technically like a 15 year prison sentence in India. So I could be in prison right now, but they didn't do that. They helped me out. Charlie knew how lucky he was in this situation, but he and his parents also knew they had to get him out of India just in case anyone else got wind of there being LSD in his system. So after antipsychotics grounded him enough to get on a plane, they were on the first flight back to the States. But things weren't any easier there. I mean, things never stopped being weird at this point. I was still kind of, I was like in a midway. I wasn't fully where I was, but I wasn't back on the ground either. I was just uncomfortable in this existence. When Charlie got back to the States, he was staying with his mom in California. But like he said, he wasn't completely with it, so he thought his mom was drugging him. So he took off for Austin, Texas, and asked his fiancée, Michelle, to meet him there. Just to note, his mom, Nanette, was definitely not drugging him. I was having anxiety attacks, panic attacks all the time. I remember once my fiancé got there, like, we'd go out for a walk, and we'd get out of the car, and, like, five minutes in, I was like, no, I gotta go back. Like, I just get this anxiety attack. Just anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. I mean, in the, in the apartment, I would get up from the couch, and I'd be pacing back and forth, and then I'd, like, stand in a corner. And, like, I don't know why a corner, but a corner helped made me feel safe. Charlie couldn't sustain this level of anxiety. My buddy, he had had... He'd had my gun for a long time, and he, I finally, when I was there, I was like, I'd, I'd like my gun back. And it was just sitting on my, on my dresser. And I was just waking up and, and just looking at it. At this point, things were really bad. Charlie wanted out. He turned to his dad for support. He's like, you need to find a psychologist or a psychiatrist or someone to talk to right now. Um, if you know anything about the mental health system in this country, it's not easy to find someone to talk to, even as a middle-class American with health insurance. There's waiting lists for months just to like get an initial appointment. So he's like, well, you gotta check yourself into a hospital. I'm like, no, but I had I, I no other option. This is the time where I started questioning everything that had happened. I was lucid enough and out of the psychosis enough to be questioning what happened, but I wasn't out of it enough to rationalize it or to like make sense of it. I was still on this fence where it was like magical thinking on one hand and then thinking I'm crazy on the other side. The magical thinking was that his spiritual awakening in India had him living in a different realm than the rest of us. But there's another side to that. So if you have the whole population telling you you're crazy, you're gonna start believing it. I, I didn't know too, I trusted myself one moment and then I didn't trust myself the next moment. It was just like this constant teetering. And I finally admitted myself to the, to the hospital in Texas. Charlie went to an emergency room so he could be admitted to the psychiatric hospital in Austin. At the hospital, a doctor diagnosed Charlie as bipolar one, which is also known as manic depressive disorder. Someone affected by bipolar one has at least one manic episode in their life. Charlie didn't agree with his doctor's diagnosis. What? What are you talking about? Like, I've never had anything similar to bipolar in my life. Oh, well, it can just come on. And I'm like, okay. So what her explanation was is that it didn't have anything to do with the acid, except for the fact that the acid made me not sleep that first night, and then it threw me into a manic episode which made no sense to me. But 
I've learned now the only way to get out of a psychiatric hospital is to accept whatever diagnosis they've given you. Charlie left the psychiatric hospital diagnosed as bipolar one and on 1,200 milligrams of lithium a day. To anyone who has not been on lithium before, this feels like the pill form of a lobotomy. I didn't care about anything. I didn't want to really live. I didn't want to die. I just kind of was. There was no emotion. It was gone. And I was on lithium for almost a year. Charlie eventually got off the antipsychotics and found alternative therapy and healing modalities that have helped stabilize him. I mean, I can't believe the person sitting on the other side of this Zoom went through what he did less than two years ago. Regardless of how intensive an experience this was for me, it was it was a pivotal point in my life. I mean, it's it's changed everything. Charlie was chasing a spiritual edge in India, which ultimately led to a psychotic break. But he came back from this edge, and now he wants to use his experience to help others. He's going back to school to get a degree in psychology so he can support those who have had similar experiences to his own. And I know those people are out there. Because of this podcast, I've spoken to them. Charlie attributes where he is now to a combination of psychedelics and therapy, which he integrates with a trained practitioner. I think they go hand in hand, really, as a healing modality. One stirs things up, and the other makes sense of what comes up during the experience. Though the idea of psychedelics can be taboo, the use of drugs like LSD and psilocybin to heal trauma is having a resurgence after a heyday in the 60s and 70s with advocates like Ram Das and Timothy Leary, who as clinical psychologists research the therapeutic effects of these psychedelic drugs. Now, educational organizations like the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, or MAPS, are legitimizing the use of psychedelics again through clinical trials that are proving these drugs when taken within a clinical or therapy setting can help heal PTSD, depression, anxiety, and more. And it helps integrate the experience into everyday life. I, I think that putting a proper container on the use of these medicines, like having a safe space and, and proper knowledge of use, and also having a good support system is really key to using these medicines safely and effectively. Because this therapy is the only thing that has helped truly integrate Charlie's experience in India, it's something he eventually wants to study so he can become a practitioner and safely use psychedelics in his therapy sessions with others. But for now, the way he wants to help others is easy. When I reached out to you and, you know, obviously a lot of stuff started going through my mind. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Why, you know, why do I want to be on a podcast? And, and there was, you know, a couple things that really came up for me. And one is, is if there's other people that have been through what I've been through and don't have the clarity around it, maybe the integration that I've been able to have with therapy and, and really moving through it. I mean, if, if one person were to call me and I was able to have a conversation, it was just able to shed some light on what they've been through and maybe help them in some small way. I mean, I mean, it'd make this whole podcast worth it for sure. The day after Charlie and I had this initial interview, he texted me. The text read, 
have you heard of Detora? I replied no and called him. So you've never heard of Detora? Ooh, okay. I think that this is very important information for this podcast because no one's mentioned this so far. Detora is a missing piece of a puzzle that Charlie is just now putting together as he starts to integrate his psychosis in India with his current reality. Last night going through the whole story really, like, it got me thinking. So remember the, the story of the lady. The American woman Charlie helped who was in psychosis. The Austrian guy that I was around when I was there, he suspected that she had been given to Tora. So Detora is a flower. And it's been compared to salvia. It's a hallucinogenic that you don't want to take. It causes nightmarish hallucinations. And the effects on Detora can last six months, a year, and it can never go away sometimes. Detora is also known as, I believe, the devil's trumpet. Detora is a poisonous flower that does look like a blooming trumpet. It's pretty, but it's psychoactive and can cause hallucinations and psychosis. So do you think Baba G was drugging you with Detora? That's what I'm wondering. Either way, Detora is something Charlie thinks we need to explore further. I'm wondering how this part slipped through the cracks about India. Because we're recording this in real time as Charlie's story unfolds, and my team needs to do some digging on this Detora lead, we'll be back in early May with the final episode of Astray. If you've gone through a similar experience to Charlie or just want to reach out to him, you can contact him at charliemarinelli777 at gmail.com. Astray is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. Today's episode of Astray, Charlie Marinelli, Found, was produced, written, and narrated by me, Caroline Slaughter. Ankita Anand is my co-producer, and Gabby Watts is our supervising producer. Astray was sound produced by Tune Mulders, with score and sound design by Jason Shannon, and mix by Harper Harris. Executive producers are Elsie Crowley, Brandon Barr, and Brian Lavin. Thanks for listening. humans. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.